Lord Jesus, I pray for each person here, Lord God. As we embark on the sermon series, as we face the new year, Lord God, we are hungry for more of your presence. We're hungry for more of your truth. Lord God, we read the stories in the Bible, and we want to say that that is our inheritance. Lord God, we, we want to see miracles this year. We want to see transformed lives. We want to see increase. We want to see blessing. Father God, we want to be the kind of people like Isaac who sow in a drought and see a hundredfold return. We want to be those kind of people who find you in the good places and the hard places, Lord. We want to be the kind of people that people come running to, to ask the question, what is it about your life that shines in the darkness, that makes a difference in difficult places? How do you find the grace? Lord God, we want to be those people who live by your abundant grace, who are making space for grace, who are attempting big things, who are trusting you, for more than just what we, can, what we can accomplish in our own natural skills. Thank you, Lord. We trust you for this. Amen and amen and amen. So amazing grace. What does grace mean? The reason I wanted to start with the definition of grace is because grace is so misunderstood all over the place. I've had people come to me who are busy having extramarital affairs and, and I've, I've challenged them and like, that's not the way God wants you to live. And, you see, and they've said, oh, there's grace. There's, guys, there is no grace for that. That's not what grace means. Grace means something completely different. This is what grace means. In the Old Testament, there are two words that are used for grace. Well, there's one word that is used for grace, and it comes from another word. The, you pronounce that word, not chen. You pronounce it khan, believe it or not, and kanan, believe it or not. Um, and it simply means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior, to favor. I'm coming back to it in a moment. In the New Testament, there's a word charis. That's where we get the word charismatic from. <laughs> we are a charismatic church. That means we live in his grace. We live in his grace. Charis in the New Testament means graciousness of manner or act, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. The divine influence on the heart. The Old Testament definition, I love it because it's such a beautiful word picture. It's a picture of a parent when a child comes running to their parent to speak to the parent. Instead of the parent standing up and, and talking down to the child, the parent bends to look the child in the eye, to say, I value you. I see you. I'm with you. I'm coming to your level. The Old Testament picture for foreshadows the beauty of who Jesus is. It's that a God who's so high, so majestic, so above us, yeah. stoops down through Jesus Christ yes. into your mess, yes. into your difficulty, into your hardship, to look you straight in the eye mm. and say, let's talk. Yeah. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm not standing outside telling you how to make it through that difficult situation. I'm coming into it with you to hold your hand and walk with you through it. To bring my miraculous creative power into those difficult places and to say, look, I'm here. 
Jesus has come. He is the epitome of our understanding of grace. The divine influence on the heart. What does that mean? It means that that person having that adulterous um, extramarital affair, if they say there's grace, what does that mean? It means that God would step into that situation and his divine influence on their heart would help them to stop. Amen. Would help them to do what's right. Grace is... It means that you're not working hard to do what's right. You're yielding to his presence. You're yielding to his love and he's leading you towards righteousness. That's what grace means. If you have grace, it means you're living in righteousness. You're living in truth. You're living in goodness. Why? Because he's leading you, empowering you, making a way. This is what grace is. And it's amazing. It's everything you've always wanted. It's that thing that helps you pass that exam. It's the thing that helps you make that marriage work. It's that thing that helps you get that job when you couldn't get that job. It's that thing that makes you excel where you could not excel. It is the divine advantage. If you like, it's the ultimate life hack. It's God with you. God with you. If I want to give you a definition from there, is grace is the indwelling presence of God empowering you to do us to do what we could not do without him. It's that God stepped down from heaven. He didn't just step down from heaven and die on the cross and rise again. He stepped down from heaven to be inside of you. That you will never be away from him. You will never be separated. This is something that that Christians miss all the time. You are never alone. You always belong. You always have power. You always have a solution. There are no impossible situations. Why? Because there's a God inside of you who creates worlds with his words. The solution may not be what you expect it to be, but there is always, always a solution. I want you to say that to this year. I want you to say that to every problem that's that's waiting for you. There is always a solution, and I am the solution bringer. That's who you are. You carry, you carry a presence that the world is waiting for. Every situation has just been waiting for you to stand in it with the presence of God and bring order, rightness, truth, life, blessing to that place. Is this making you happy? Listen, listen, if this doesn't make you happy, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what. Christ in us, his kingdom on earth. Christ in us, his kingdom on earth. We long, we long for the kingdom of God. I mean, think about it. What would it be like if your neighborhood was filled with the kingdom of God? What would it be? What would it be like if there was no crime in South Africa? What would it be if justice prevailed? What would it be like if every child born in this nation had the chance at the education they wanted? Think about that. Your heart heart finds joy in it. Of course it does. That's the kingdom of God on earth. It begins with Christ in us us. Christ in us. Amazing grace. God stooped down from heaven 
died, made a way through his resurrection that he could be not just with you, but in you, informing your thoughts, controlling your emotions, empowering your actions. Christ in us, his kingdom on earth. Let's look at a scripture. We are going to go to the Bible. Are you happy about that? So Romans 5, a very famous portion of scripture from verse 17 says this, For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Ah, it, just, it just makes me want to breathe. Well, I mean, that's good to breathe, you know what I'm saying? Let's all breathe. But, but it make, it, I feel like I, it gives me freedom. I feel like I'm standing on a wide open field just with the, every possibility before me when I read the scripture. The bigness of God is just manifested there. The scripture does an interesting thing. It's, it kind of takes, it juxtapose, juxtapose, that's a tough word to say when you're preaching. It juxtaposes just the, the, this negative picture that it paints of, of man's brokenness, fallenness, and it uses words like trespass, death, condemnation, disobedience. And then on the other side, it puts these three phrases that are just mind-blowing, earth-shattering. It talks about the abundance of grace. Not just a little grace, the abundance of grace. That means more than you'll ever need. It talks about the free gift of righteousness. It talks about reigning in life. Who doesn't want to reign in life? I mean, is there anyone here who would like to not reign in life? Of course, it just, it thrills you. I want that. For 2020, I want that. Not just for me, but for all of us. Brennan Manning, he's a, he's not alive anymore, but he wrote some amazing books about grace. One of them is called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And he said there in this book, to live by grace means to acknowledge my whole life story, the light side and the dark. In admitting my shadow side, I learn who I am and what God's grace means. Because, here's the wild thing, if you are always pretending or projecting to the world, I'm fine, I don't need anything, I'm good, I've got this sorted, then you don't need grace. And then all you get is what you can do. I don't know about you, but in my life, I need a lot more than what I can do. Just in my marriage, I'm married to the best man alive, I know that, but I still need more than I can do. Sure. (laughs) I hope I get brownie points for that, darling. (laughs) Guys, one of the ways you get God is by being real about who you are. Yes. You know, you, it's like if you're trying to pretend, you're just going to get nothing. Yeah. You know, and you're going to be banging on that door forever, mad at God because he's not answering, his, answering or bringing his promises. But the point is you didn't bring yourself to the party. God's not going to bless a facade. He 
He's not interested in your, the projection of you. He's interested in you. You, the real you. With your warts, with your problems. I know none of you have warts, but you know what I'm saying. The, you know those cracks, those insecurities, those imperfections. He wants the, all of that to the table. And then he's going to take it and make something beautiful of it. That's what this verse talks about. Is that we were dead in our trespasses. We were lost. And yet, God stepped down from heaven and made a way. This is grace. Abundance of grace. You know, I've, I've used this analogy before. I wanted to reiterate it. From Ephesians 1, you remember, it talks, it talks about in Ephesians 1, the riches of His grace that He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. In other words, He did it knowingly, and it was good. But He lavished grace on us. And remember, I described to you what lavish means. It means Andrew having toast in the morning. Do you remember that story? Do you remember that story about how, how you know, Andrew just, he just like takes that brick of butter and puts it on his bread. Absolutely. That he like empties the jar of jam onto his bread and it's oozing, it's dripping over. I mean, there's no way, you know, the plate has got more on it afterwards than he has got in his stomach because it's just everywhere. Absolutely. Everywhere. I mean, if you're going to have butter on your, jam, on your bread, do it. <laughs> and Andrew does it. But there, there's, you know, there's a, I wanted to remind you of that, that really when, when we're talking about grace, it's an abundance of grace. It's a lavished grace. It's, it's about more than you can contain. You're saturated with God's goodness, and then there's still more. You're saturated with God's goodness, and then there is still more. Genesis 3 is a tragic story. It's, it's like, it's, it's the reason when I... That why when I get to heaven and I meet Adam, I'm going to give him a full smack across the face. I mean, that man has something to answer for. You know what I'm saying? But Genesis 3 is that story. You know, the, the truth is he'll probably give me a slap right back and say, you were me. <laughs> you did the exact same thing. But anyway, that's another story. We won't go there. But Genesis 3 is that story where Adam and Eve have fallen. They've done what God asked them not to do. They've chosen to run their life by their own direction. Basically, that's what they've done. They've said, we don't need God. We can work it out ourselves. And then it says, God came to them. They heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. And what did they do? Listen, listen. In Looking back through history, what they should have done is they should have come running to God and said, have mercy on us, we've sinned. That's what they should have done, and everything would have been good. History would have been different. But they didn't. They didn't do that. It says they hid amongst the trees. They hid. They hid. Because I'll tell you why they hid. They, they, they didn't hide because they'd sinned. They hid because they didn't know God. Because if they'd known God, they would have come running to Him. He's the God who fixes things. He's the God who makes things right. He's the God of abundant grace. They would have come running if they had known who God was. They didn't hide because they sinned. They, they hid because they didn't know God. And the truth is, as human beings, we live by this principle all the time. We hide because we don't know God. When we've messed up, instead of running to God, we run the other way. 
Why? Because we're not convinced of abundant grace. We're not convinced that this is a God who will reach past our brokenness, will reach past our hurt, will reach past the mess and make something good of it. So we hide. Grace means you never have to hide again. You know, something God said to me so such a long time ago. I was, I was confessing a sin to him that I'd kept hidden for a long time. I'd pretend it didn't exist in my life. And I was telling him, and he said, oh, I know. <laughs> you know and I realized all this work, all this work to pretend that I was something that I wasn't, all along, God knew. I wasn't fooling anyone. And I'm not just talking about those gross sins, you know, like when you murdered that person. I'm not just, just talking, I'm not only talking about those things. You know, I'm talking about the, you know, the, the insecurities, the, the feelings of inadequacy, the, I don't know what, the pride, the arrogance. I'm talking about that stuff too. Grace means you don't have to hide anymore. Because something else grace means, when we look at the gift of righteousness, You don't have to hide anymore because there's a gift of righteousness. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want to imagine you, this this man sitting here, Rene. He wakes up tomorrow morning, he goes out into his driveway, and there is a gift parked on his driveway. It's covered in gold foil, but the shape looks remarkably like a Ferrari. I mean, it's got a big bow on it. <laughs> it's got a big bow on it, and there's a card that says, To Rene with love. I mean, what would you say to Rene if he rocked up in church in his beaten up old 1995 VW Golf? I mean, what would you say to the man? Uh, you would say, listen, listen, guys, have you seen, Rene, have you seen what's parked in your driveway? Yeah. Just open the gift. Accept the gift. Say yes to the gift. Take what's given you. And I want to tell you, this is, this is the amazing thing, is that through Jesus, we have a gift of righteousness. Do you understand what that means? It means, listen carefully, you never, ever, ever have to sin again. I know there's dead quiet. (laughs) It means this. You never, ever, ever have to be insecure again. It means you never, ever, ever, ever have to dominate someone again. It means you never, ever, ever have to have a shouting match with your spouse. It means you never have to cheat, steal, lie again. Because there is a Ferrari in your driveway. It is the presence of God. The gift of righteousness. It's a package that comes, fills your heart with a righteousness you don't deserve and you never worked for. The capacity to be good that you didn't conjure up. The capacity to be right that you didn't make. 
flows into you. It floods your mind. It fills your heart. It wipes away those wrong thoughts, that, those cracks, those pains, those dysfunctions. It fills it with love. The gift of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, it's Paul talking and he says this, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. How many of you, I mean, not all of you are going to go to Roman cities throughout the world and preach the gospel like Paul did, but how many of you would like to come to the end of your life and look back like Paul did and said, I ran the race. I did it right. I, I worked. I, I worked when I should have worked. I rested when I should have worked. Rested. I loved when I should have loved. I, I spoke when I should have spoke. I did it well. How many of you would like that? Of course. Of course. This is his secret. This is his secret. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I chose to be who God said I was. And I found the grace to be that person. I worked harder than anyone, but it was not me. It was the grace of God in me. It was that gift of righteousness. When I stood up to speak at trials where I was in danger of being crucified myself, instead of worrying and fretting, I relied on the grace and words came out that were beautiful, magnificent, and nearly convinced my captors to become Christians. It was not I that worked. But it was Christ in me, his kingdom on earth. Grace means you never, you don't have to stay the same. Grace means who you are now is the worst you'll ever be. That every day, every day has the potential to be better than the last. Every day has the potential to be better than the last. And finally, we will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I love that picture. It's half a crown of thorns and half a crown of gold because it, it speaks of what reigning in life means. Because when we hear that word reigning in life, sometimes it speaks to us of us dominating, of us you know, being in charge, of us uh, having everything we need and everything we want. But that's not what reigning in life means in the Bible. Reigning in my life means something totally different. It means wearing a crown of thorns like it were a crown of gold. It means appropriating the goodness of God and living like a king's kid, even if you don't have a, a four-bedroomed house. Even if there's not a Ferrari parked in the driveway. It means knowing who you are. It means understanding that, that above all else, you're God's son or daughter. That he is the creator of this world and your job here is to bring his kingdom. To stamp the mark of Jesus on everything you do. Yeah. On everything you say. Yeah. On every way you live. It's the divine influence on the heart. Be lived out everywhere. That's what it means to reign in life. It means that I'm not dominated by thoughts of sadness and, and inadequacy. It means that I'm dominated by thoughts of belonging. 
That's right. Of being alive. Of being fulfilled. Why? Because Christ in me. There is evidence, second by second, of God's love, never-ending love for me, of his promise of resurrection, of his promise of everything being put right. Though I don't see it now, I know that it will come. There is an end to all of this, and it looks like a king standing on this earth, setting everything in place as it should be. There is an end to this. And you will stand with him. And these momentary trials and tribulations we go through are nothing because we stand in them, in the majesty and the power of God, and we speak to them and we tell them how they must be. That's what it means to reign in life. That's what it means to reign in life. It means when someone does something selfish or hard or does something that would hurt me, instead of reacting with anger and hatred, I turn and I say, God loves me and he loves you too. Let's work this out. That's what reigning in life means. It means instead of complaining to the boss, it means you turn around and take that work and you say, how can I do this so that it will stamp the mark of the kingdom wherever it goes? Mm -hmm. I'm not working for this man or this woman. I'm working for a kingdom. We all reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Brendan Manning, again, in another of his books called Abba's Child, he said this, Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. I love that. Now you should take a picture of that. What does that mean? And when the world tries to tell you that that you're a failure, it's wrong. When your parents try to tell you that you're no good, they're wrong. When your circumstances try and tell you that you'll never make it, your circumstances are wrong. When your own heart tries to condemn you, it is wrong. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Everything else is an illusion. And the last truth, grace means I'm free to be who I was created to be. You are not defined by your environment. You are not defined by society. You're not defined by your relationships. You're defined by the one who made you. So in conclusion, grace is God's empowering presence in us and it means we don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to stay the same anymore and we are free to be who we were created to be. Amen. That should make you happy. Can we give the Lord a hand? Amazing grace. Make space for grace this, this year. Live. Live like you can't fail. Love like you can't be disappointed. Work like it's going to work. This makes a difference. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for each person here. I want to pray for each person here. Lord, this, this amazing grace is so big that it is, it is sometimes hard to get our minds around it. 
And Lord God, I, I feel like it probably takes a lifetime to get this. But I want to ask you would accelerate us getting it. That, that this year would be a year where we would, we would get it. We would get it. That we define ourselves by your love. We would live as ones created for greatness. Father God, that we would take our eyes off the, the mundane problems around us and put it on Jesus and expect miracles and see miracles. Lord, Lord, you're so great. You're so much better than we've ever imagined, Lord God. Pull our minds up to reality. Pull our minds up to reality, Lord. Let us see, touch, taste the fullness of who you are, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.